Beautiful. Goldfish or whales? Oh, absolutely. So I guess it de- that, that just depends on it. That tells me how you grew up. If you say goldfish, then you had a childhood with parents that were upper middle class. If you have whales, then you grew up in a regular middle to lower middle class household and Goldfish are objectively better, but whales are nostalgic. Dude, what a response to that. You just compared goldfish to changes in the economy. Oh, it's 1,000%. That's incredible. That, that's, have you ever thought about teaching? Maybe? You know, <laughs> you know. so I, I did teach economics before. And, you know, goldfish and whales, that would be a substitute product, right? Because it's a generic product. So a substitute product... You know, shows that, you know, a, a drop in price could change the supply demanded, but not the actual demand. Why are we not working for you right now? Uh, because I'm actually not that intelligent. <laughs> According to all the all the TikTokers, TikTok comments, none of us are. That's uh, true. So, so <laughs> That's true. None of us are very they intelligent. Did, they did not like our prediction on, or my prediction on Mississippi State. No. And, and then, you know, someone didn't like my Cal College comment. Which you is know, ironic. Which is ironic because my Cal College comment was actually about Auburn, and I put it out. It was a tweet, and I put it out during the Iron Bowl, and a Mississippi State fan found it and claimed that it was hurtful, and it wasn't even about them. So it's like, wow, you've just admitted that you are a Cal College inadvertently. Congratulations, Mississippi State. <laughs> so. With, I want to hear. I want to hear your answer about the crackers, but then I'm, I really do. I want to talk about the people of Starkville as nicely as we possibly can. But please, with because I'm a Wales fan, I still buy whales like on my own. I think they're better than goldfish because they're saltier. And with, I would just like your opinion. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever had whales. I don't even know what the hell that is. I've had, I've had goldfish. Like I've had goldfish my whole life, so I have to say goldfish. I used to sneak down back in like elementary school my stairs at my parents house went down to the kitchen so at like midnight when i was supposed to be asleep i would walk down and grab some goldfish like a like a baggie i'd fill a baggie up or like a cup or something you go upstairs snack on some goldfish um so obviously the answer for me is goldfish but like i said i don't even know what whales are i've never even seen that before i guess that just means i grew up in the upper middle class i don't know but i guess i'll I'll take that as a compliment maybe i don't i don't or am I getting? Is this? Am I gonna get ridiculed here? Never seen that. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, these are these Never are seen what that. we would we would call uh, generic goldfish. Yeah, this is a South Georgia thing. They didn't they didn't sell that here. Or the Dollar General. They didn't, they didn't. Yeah, I didn't I didn't shop at Dollar General either. Publix doesn't sell whales. <laughs> and I'm sure the wonderful people in rural Mississippi can attest to as well. There's a Dollar General on every corner within three miles of where you live. Yeah, well, I think the um, main shopping center for Starkville is Dollar General. But Dollar General and, fam- <laughs> and Family Dollar. 
You got to give it to Starkville and the uh, Mississippi State fans. I appreciated the comments for one. Yeah, same. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the people that got into, got into it with us. I like it when people give us feedback. Um, so I think a lot of you were wrong, but I did appreciate the comments. Um, uh, dude, and a lot of the guys that were on there that actually had decent takes were saying they were they were nine and three last year or nine. I think they were nine and four. Like they had a really good season. Last couple years have been really good. Um, and I, I responded to a couple of them on our rowdy TikTok, and I just told them, I like, I see where you're coming from. I have no problem with your opinion. Zach Arnett was a great defensive coordinator. I could see him being a great head coach, um, but that's not what I see happening. That's not my prediction. I think they're the worst team in the SEC West. That, you got to think, if they were in the Big 12 this year, in the next two years, they'd probably be a top four team. But the SEC West is the best division in football. They got to play seven of those teams. And then they got to play two teams from the East who, I mean, or one team, or yeah, one, one team, or no, two teams from the East, six, wait, what am I doing? It's two teams from the East. Yeah, what, what is happening right now? But it's an eight, six from the, oh, there's seven teams each. Good grief. I'm adding Oklahoma and Texas in already. I was like, there's 16 teams in the SEC. There's eight teams in the West. <laughs> there's seven teams in the West. They play six teams from the West and then two from the East. Yeah. So they played eight game conference schedule. The SEC, it's the best conference in college football. I would say Mississippi State's a bottom three team right now. I mean, it's probably Missouri, maybe bottom four. I mean, it's probably Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State. Yeah, and right. and I don't think – and this is where I understand that they're hurt because I think a lot of it comes from – everybody has put Mississippi State in this box of being what they've always been traditionally. And honestly, the past few seasons since – Mike Leach was hired. They've been pretty good. In 2020, they had a big win against LSU, who was coming off a national championship, and that felt good. And it seems like even since Dan Mullen was there, uh, every year that LSU-Mississippi State game feels like a game that's a big game that's hyped up that Mississippi State legitimately has a chance to win. And LSU's a big-time uh, program. So it's that, that to me, is uh, – I understand their frustration. And it's like, look, I'm not trying to put you back in this box of being Mississippi State – but let's look at the current structure of the SEC West. Brian Kelly and LSU won the SEC West in year one. Nick Saban is Nick Saban got one of the had just had the best recruiting class of all time. Texas A and M has and has seven national championships and seven national championships. We I mean so I, I just meant like it, it going forward. So uh, Nick Saban's won seven national championships and just had the best recruiting class of all time. Texas A and M has. Uh, 26 of the best players that they've ever recruited in their history starting or playing on their current roster right now. Ole Miss has Lane Kiffin. Uh, so when you just go through it, Auburn just hired Hugh Freeze, who is back in the SEC and has a history of winning big games in the SEC. So when you look at everything that's going on in the West, I, I understand your frustration, Mississippi State, and I'm not trying to belittle you any more than than you know. From on a real note, uh, I, I I appreciate the passion and the the cowbells. I hate them, but Oof. good for you. Um, and you know, hey, I get your frustration, but that's just the current makeup of what the SEC is right now. That you can be a top twenty recruiting class and still be twelfth out of fourteen in the current SEC construction, which you are. I, I'm with you guys. I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the emotion. I appreciate the passion that Mississippi State fans have for their school. I, you know, I feel that same thing for Florida, and you know, I think you Whit, feel the same thing for Georgia, and Matt, you feel the same thing for Alabama. So I understand. We we obviously all understand how they feel, but 
but we love the engagement. We love to talk about this stuff. <laughs> Some of the people that just kept calling us morons. And there was one guy who said that we were 100% nerds who never played before. I saw <laughs> that. Yeah. Now that part, I do not appreciate. Dude, like, little, little do they know, I was an absolute all-star when I was nine years old in the one year I played football. So maybe he wants to think again. I was the star offensive guard when I played. So maybe you should think twice. I actually played both sides of the wall. Yeah. Defensive tackle and guard. Superstar. I quit after that yeah. year and everybody told me, why'd you quit? You were our best offensive lineman. They were lying, but <laughs> at least somebody said it. My point is this, please come at us with discern and notable things to say, but moving on. So SEC media days, um, a lot of things happened today. Uh, Clark Lee, Hugh Freeze, Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher take the stand. Uh, Matt, I know you have some strong opinions about Jimbo Fisher and his new offensive coordinator, Bob Petrino, based on some things that were said today. So here's here's the the, the clip, and, and maybe we can get an audio clip in here of uh, what, was, what Jimbo said verbatim. Um, if not... I will basically paraphrase. There's a couple of things I have an issue with here with Jimbo Fisher. And Jimbo Fisher, you would think, coming off of a season where the expectations for Texas A&M were winning the West and potentially going to the playoff. There were a lot of talking heads at at big media groups. I don't want to say any names, uh, but... You know, ESPN um, had Texas A&M in the playoff last year and winning the West and beating Alabama again and uh, going to the SEC championship. And Texas A&M was nothing short of a flop from that. So today uh, at SEC Media Day, Jimbo Fisher was asked by uh, Paul Feinbaum a couple of questions, and he basically said... Is there any added pressure on you? And Jimbo gives this long answer where he never actually answered the question. He said, we live under pressure every day. We put more pressure on ourselves than anybody out there ever puts on us. So there's no added pressure because of because what good does that do? Does worrying make you any better? No. What you've got to do is get to solutions. You've got to line up and understand what went right, what went wrong, what kind of team you have by now, and that each team changes year by year. That's just completely false. There is absolutely added pressure this year because you went five and seven and two and six in the SEC last year. Uh 1,000% there's pressure, Jimbo. The year after you have the number one recruiting class of all time on paper. Of all time. Of like, all time. Not e- like, we're, we're talking, and then you got an immediate tiff with the GOAT, NIL, and say, you know, because Saban said, oh, yeah, well, they're paying players a, a lot of money at Texas A&M to go there, and that's why you're getting them. And then Jimbo reacts and responds, and so there's a media tip between Saban and Jimbo, and then Jimbo turns around and goes, what, five and seven? Yeah, of course there's added pressure. That's problem one. I'll get your thoughts on that before we move on uh, to the other comments that I had an issue with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just Jimbo being Jimbo now. I mean, I feel like he's kind of gotten to the point where he just wants to be a villain in the media. I don't know why. I mean, it's like he went from having like he, like he I feel like he was pretty well liked after coming from Florida State. I mean, I know he kind of left him in a bad spot and some people were kind of ragging on him but I mean I didn't have a problem with him when he came to A&M until he had the number one recruiting class and people started saying at least just say like it's because of NIL like don't act like it's 
you're you're changing something with how you're recruiting. It's not because you're a great coach. And he goes, man, we're not paying any players. Their, their players are they're, they're not getting any money. It's all, they're all coming for free. They want to play for the university. It's like, dude, come on. It's it's not like that anymore. Like people want to play for coaches. People want to play for nil money. People want to play for the chance to go to the NFL and get drafted high. Like, say what you will about the university, but at the end of the day, if if, if Jimbo leaves, half that team will leave too. Or and if the NIL doesn't show up, half that team is going to leave. I mean, you saw it last year. They went five and seven, and they lost all their players. Like the whole team left. It was crazy. So Jimbo, I mean, at this point, honestly, I think he's just trying to get fired to get that eighty-two million, which I wouldn't be sad about if I were Jimbo. So totally get it. I think another thing about it that just makes Jimbo sound so bad, on top of the fact that of what's happened last year, is that. Jimbo, every time Jimbo opens his mouth, it doesn't seem like Jimbo's doing any favors. There's a lot of people who think that Brian Kelly is fake and very inauthentic, and they said the same thing about Dabo Sweeney. But if you listen to what Jimbo just said, all of that seems very inauthentic, very fake, like it's just coach speak. You know, at what point do you have to get up there on the podium and go, yes, my offense has not worked? That's why we brought in Bobby Petrino and go, it, we have not lived up to the standard that we have set for ourselves. Yes, we have put a bunch of NIL money into this program because we have boosters willing to do that instead of going out and not being like, no, we're not paying players. Like, yes, you are. Everybody is now. It's legal. There's no reason to run and hide from it. Yeah, he's under pressure. I, if, if Jimbo, we're not doing our Texas a and preview tonight, but if Jimbo doesn't at least have a 4-2 and two record, and I don't even know what their first six games are, but if halfway through the season he's not at a minimum of 4-2, and two, I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the year. Yeah, see, Jimbo is it does feel very inauthentic, and it kind of goes along with the guy that he hired as his offensive coordinator, uh, which we who live in Atlanta all know very, very well cool. from his shortened stint with the Falcons, we'll say that. And he hired Bobby Petrino. Uh, Texas A&M was 101st in offensive production last year in the country, which is horrible considering that they had, I think, two five-star receivers that they had brought in uh, in last year's class, at least one of them, which ended up turning out that he's kind of a head case, and he's already off of Ole Miss's team who when he transferred. Uh, and then I, I believe they had a five-star running back, and then they brought in a couple of quarterbacks. Like There was there was a lot, a lot of talent. Talent is not the problem on the Texas A&M offense side. So he brings in Bobby Petrino, all right? And I want to get your thoughts. If someone were to ask, hey, Jimbo, you brought in Bobby Petrino. Who's doing the play calling? What would a good Jimbo Fisher answer be? You brought in a new offensive coordinator. Who's calling the plays? After being ridiculed for his play calling all of last year. Yes. Okay. Astounding. Absolutely yes. Yeah. He's uh, calling plays. The offense is changing because of Bobby Petrino. Would Jeff, be my answer. My answer, if I'm a head coach, I'm going to go, yeah, we brought in Bobby to call the plays, and Bobby's got a track record of success in this conference at Arkansas, and, you know, we're going to hope, we're going to hope, and we believe that he can put it together on the field, and we're going to have a good offense. Or I'd say, I expect for him to be around for about six games, and then probably just leave with a note on his <laughs> desk, um, and then and then we'll hire somebody good. So, I say I ask you that, because that's what a reasonable head coach would say. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, instead... Uh, the question in full was, uh, 
Bobby Petrino, I think this is the first time he's been an assistant since 2002. So he's used to calling plays, being the guy in charge. You've been calling plays probably forever. What's the dynamic going to be like on game day? Does he have the total freedom to call the plays? And how will that work? And is it hard for you to give up play calling responsibilities? That's the question that was asked by the reporter. I don't know the reporter's name. Sorry, I can't give credit. Uh, But the response is very... Again, run around, don't really answer the question. Uh, He says he's not going to get into where we're going, but this is my favorite part. Uh, Listen, Bobby was hired for a reason, and he's a tremendous coach and a tremendous guy, false, and tremendous football mind and tremendous recruiter. He's done a great job recruiting since he's been here, everything he does. He'll call a lot of, hopefully he'll call the game. Okay, you just brought in a guy that has a track record of being a scumbag as a human being from, <laughs> from what he did at Louisville the first time. I have to say first time because there's two stints for him at Louisville because after that, he goes to the Falcons. We all know what happened there. He goes to Arkansas, gets caught sleeping with the GA, wrecks his motorcycle, gets fired from Arkansas, goes to like Western Kentucky, then back to Louisville, mm-hmm. Doesn't leave them in great shape. And then he was at, like, what, UNLV or somewhere recently? Was that his most recent was UNLV? Southwest Missouri State. Southwest Southwest Missouri State, yeah. So then you're bringing him on. Powerhouse, Southwest Missouri State. You're bringing him on to be the offensive coordinator, and you're saying, yeah, hopefully he'll call the game? I mean, insane. Your thoughts? I think Jimbo's gone after this year, straight up. I'm going to be honest. I know I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. We're not going over A&M schedule today, which we can at this point. I mean, we've been talking about it long enough. He, dude, I mean, he, they went five and seven last year when they were supposed to win the SEC West. I think they were, were they favored to win the West or were they second favorite? Last year? Yeah. I, I want to say they were second favorite behind yeah, Alabama. I was about to say, I think Alabama was number one. But still, it's like, you were, you were like finishing top three was guaranteed last year and you go five and seven. And granted, I mean, obviously the quarterback situation was bad. I mean, you had Haynes... You had Hanks King, who was terrible. He had one decent game. It was against Alabama this year. And really, he didn't even play that well in that game. Then you had Max Johnson, who I think he was hurt most of the season. So he didn't really get his fair shake. And then Connor Wegman came in at the end of the season and played pretty good. And they beat LSU and whatnot. But still, I mean, five and seven, terrible year. You lose to a lot of teams you should have beaten. He had a couple close games. They had a couple that probably could have gone either way. But they've also had a couple wins, too, that could have gone either way, like uh, Miami. Who was terrible? So, who who the hell knows what's going to happen to Jimbo? I I think it's getting to a point where the uh, the farmers over there at A and M, the oil people, are just going to say, "Here's eighty million dollars, get the hell out of here." If I'm Bobby Petrino, now granted, we just said South Southwest Missouri State. This is not this is not an FCS powerhouse. This is not some kind of major job. But still, I'm a head coach. Well, then, I'm, when, and knowing if I'm Bobby Petrino, I know that I can probably turn turn that program around enough to at least be for an FCS national championship. And not that that can compare to what I could do at Texas A&M, but why did I just give up a head coaching job to come call plays for you, and then you go out at SEC media days and say, "I hope you call the plays." What do you mean you hope I call the plays? Why am I here? Why am I here? What kind of trust is that set for the relationship between Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher going into the season, which is now seven weeks away? 
Like, what, what What kind of statement is that, man? Just Jimbo Fisher has more coach speak come from his lips than anybody I've ever heard, ever. Like, he is not authentic, and it, it shows every time he talks. I've got a, I've got a question for you guys, though, because – one one part of that that Jimbo said is that Petrino is a great offensive mind, great coach. All right, here's my question. I'm gonna, and this is legit. Is Jimbo is, is Petrino actually that good anymore, or does the name still hold the weight of what he did when he was at Arkansas and Louisville in his first stint? Regardless of who he is as a person, I mean, he has proven success on the field. Take the Falcons' stint for what you will. I mean, he went 3-10 and 10 and resigned after 13 games. That Falcons team was not built to win. You know, as a Falcons fan, I still hate him. I'm still bitter about it. But he went in there with the idea that he was going to have Michael Vick and a team that would be led by Michael Vick with a chance to have a really good offense. That didn't happen. Um, as far as Arkansas goes, he had a really good stint at Arkansas. I remember Florida playing him in the SEC championship game. In 2006? Yeah, he was there with Ryan Mallett and Darren McFadden and all them, right? Well, he was there with Ryan Mallett. McFadden was prior to Petrino. Prior, okay. Rest in peace, Ryan Mallett. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it still holds weight. I mean, at Louisville, look, you had Lamar Jackson, and they only went about 7-5, and 8-4 consistently, but still it's, it's Louisville, and he builds offenses. He doesn't build defenses, and Louisville, Louisville kind of is what it is. It's to me Louisville's an okay job, you know. So I, I still think he's he has a history of being a successful head coach. So yes, I think the name still holds weight, but it's just a matter of in those two mesh. So I asked that for one reason, all right. And we we say the name holds weight. You want to know the last time Bobby Petrino was the head coach of a team that lost less than four games? Two thousand and four. 15. 2011 at Arkansas, he went 11 and 2. In his second stint at Louisville, he lost four games. He went 9 and 4 year one, then 8 and 5, 9 and 4, 8 and 5, 2 and 8. That was in the Big East, too, right? That was in the ACC. It was ACC. It was ACC. It had moved over to the ACC. And his first stint at Louisville, what got him the Arkansas job was two one loss seasons at Louisville, which when they were in the Big East, that was huge. Uh, they made their first ever New Year's Six Bowl and they won a New Year's Six Bowl with him. And then he gets the job at Arkansas, had Arkansas at the best that they had been since the early 2000s. Uh, and then we all know what happened at the end of that tenure. Goes to Western Kentucky, 8-4. and four. And then Louisville again with Lamar Jackson, who won the Heisman. Outstanding player. Uh, and had a four-loss season or more every year. And then in 2018, went 2-8 and eight before he was fired. So I understand that the name carries weight. And I'm not saying that Petrino is a terrible coach. But I am going to question, especially... In, in this environment, in this year, where it's one of Jimbo's most important, if he wants to continue coaching, if he doesn't, I completely understand. I'd take $77 million to go sit on the beach. But if he wants to continue coaching, is Petrino really the answer to fix that? And with that, I think we should turn into uh, schedule predictions uh, and start with A&M because we, we're, we're, we might as well. We're, we're on it. So this is what I got. 
if you guys are paying attention. I'm ready. We got New Mexico week one, a loss. I'm just playing. Uh, that's a win. Uh, I got at Miami win. I got UL Monroe win. Auburn wins. They start off 4-0. And then they get Arkansas and Arlington. I think Arkansas wins that game. Then they go, they play Alabama at home. I think Alabama beats them. Uh, at Tennessee, Tennessee beats them. South Carolina at home. I think they beat South Carolina, get revenge from last year. Mississippi State at home. They beat Mississippi State. Ole Miss at Ole Miss. That's a loss. Uh, Abilene Christian at home. They get a win at LSU. Loss. So I have them going seven and five, three and five in the SEC, and I put in my notes Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher on hot seat because I don't know if they're going to fire him just because of the fact that like he he was such not just the fact that they pay him so much that he does get fired, but the fact that they brought him in. He's this biggest name they've had in a while in terms of head coaches, um, national championship winning coach. They might give him one more season just to say, all right, this is it. Do what you got to do. Change the staff. If it doesn't work out this year or if the culture just gives up, then you're screwed. But to me, honestly, I just think A&M's culture is terrible. I think bringing in Bobby Petrino is the worst thing you could do for the culture because he's not a culture guy. He's a terrible culture guy. And uh, and I just don't see it happening. So if they would have brought in like Garrett, Garrett Riley or somebody that like has a little bit of juice in them, I'd be a little more optimistic. But I don't see it with A&M. What, do you, what is your overall there? Seven and five, three and five in the SEC. If that's what happens, Jimbo's gone. That's what I would think, but it's still seventy-seven million dollars at the end of the day. Like, that's a lot of money. They might give him one more year. I have them at two. Excuse me. I have them at three and four with four consecutive losses going into their bye week, and Jimbo getting fired. Here's where I I am with A and M. I still think that they're going to be a lot better than they were last year because even though they had all that talent that came in from the recruiting class prior, uh, it's really hard to have a bunch of freshmen come in and play a significant role in an SEC schedule. Now, they had bad losses. Like the App State loss, that's absolutely inexcusable. You don't lose to App State if you're Texas A&M. I'm sorry. You just can't do that. Um, the, the So where I am this year, though, is I feel like they're going to fix it because let's remember, they did beat LSU at the end of last year, too. Um, and LSU was playing really well at that point in the season. They had just beaten Alabama. They were kind of getting on a roll. They were going into the SEC championship. Maybe LSU kind of was sleepwalking a little bit because they had already clinched the West. It didn't really matter. I just really feel like A&M is going to take a step forward this year. Now, what does that step forward actually look like? I'd say eight and four is probably where I would put them. I, I think that Ole Miss is a toss-up game. Tennessee is a toss-up game for me. I think South Carolina is a toss-up game too, though. And then Miami. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get from Miami. Right at Miami. So I mean, there's there's a I, I, there's a lot of question marks with A and M because I, I'm I'm tempted to say that maybe they even do worse and they go six and six. I think or four or five and seven again. I think four and eight is the floor. I could see them going four and eight. I mean, they have New Mexico, Louisiana Monroe, and Abilene Christian. They're going to win those games. That's three. And then they'll win at least one SEC game. I don't think they're going to lose to Miami. Yeah, I think Mississippi State, I don't see them losing more than, or I don't see them 
winning less than one SEC game. I'm with you guys there. So, if, so four and eight floor, but ceiling I, ceiling twelve and zero. Oh. Ten, and, I would say ten. <laughs> I would say ten and two. Uh, they they could go twelve and zero, or they could go eleven and one. I, I, they're not going undefeated. I don't think so, but they could. They have the talent too. No, I don't even think they. I don't even think they have the talent, dude. They're still loaded. They are. They, they lost are. twenty. They had twenty three guys transfer out last year. But they still are loaded with starters. They brought the entire defense back. The only guys they lost were Antonio Johnson, who was a safety, and then Jalen Jones at corner. And, and they brought Tony Grimes in to take Jalen Jones' spot, yeah. who was a five-star from UNC. And they like defensively, they're loaded. Connor Wegman going to be that guy? Well, it's it's more than that. I mean, they they don't have a running back. Yeah, they lost Devin A. Chain. Yeah, which is which was a he was he was their offense the past. The two receivers years. are pretty solid still because they brought back Anaya Smith. Yeah, uh, they have Moose Muhammad still, and then they still have um, Evan Stewart. Who Evan Stewart was the best thought, receiver last year. He was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan Stewart stayed. It was Chris was Chris Marshall. Chris Marshall. Yeah, he was the, the five star freshman from last year. He was pretty solid too. He was very solid. I think he had some other he, issues. He had a lot of issues, and that's yeah. where if. I think the biggest question mark, and Jimbo didn't do a good job answering that today in SEC Media Days, was, hey, like, how are you fixing the culture? Because there's obvious cultural issues. And that is one element of the NIL scheme that they're going to have to figure out. Yeah. Um, Because you are now creating an environment which is more like the NFL, where if there's a guy who... uh, is getting paid a lot more than somebody else and he's not performing, then it starts to create a little tension in the locker room. And, you know, you got these guys that are getting brought in to and paid a lot of money to come play and they're not performing well. It creates tension in the locker room. So Jimbo is going to have to figure a way to manage that. Uh, and if he doesn't, they're in trouble. Uh, but one of the wins that you have on that schedule. So the, the first loss that you have on, uh, a&M schedule is to Arkansas, which I find that to be one of those toss-up games. I absolutely think that that's a, a should win for A&M. Uh, let's get into the Razorback schedule this year and your prediction for them. So for the Razorbacks, I was pretty high on them. I did this last year, though. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, the more I look at it, the worse I feel about this prediction. I'll be completely straight up honest. Because um, I did the same crap last year. I think I had them winning ten games last year, and they ended up going. What, what were they? Seven and five or eight and four? No, they were six and six last year. Yeah, they were bad. Yeah, they didn't have a great season. And honestly, I think they were better. I mean, KJ Jefferson was hurt for the, most of the games they lost. Yeah. Um, and they bring him back, which is honestly the biggest reason I'm big on them. But they lose Trey Knox. They lose a lot of their receivers. Most of their team this year, especially offensively, is going to be transfers. But they do have Raheem Sanders too, who's an absolute beast. So, um, but I have them going nine and three. Five and three in the SEC. I got Western Carolina win, Kent State win, BYU at home win, at LSU loss, AM in Arlington. I got them winning. At Ole Miss, I have them losing. At Alabama, I have them losing. Mississippi, Mississippi State at home, I have them winning. At Florida, I have them winning. Auburn at Ooh. home, I have them winning. FIU win, Missouri win. I kind of feel like their schedule sets up pretty well for them. Like, if you look through it, I think Florida's a big toss-up game. I know Chad probably agrees with me. Um, but, that, I mean, K.J. Jefferson comes back. I mean, you can look at their roster but right they here. They have a new offensive coordinator. They lost Kendall Bryant. They lost both their coordinators, which was huge. Yes. It was big. Chad, I'll let you respond to this first because I feel like I've been talking a lot. Um, but at least it's not about Alabama this time. Yeah, their OC they brought the OC they brought in was Dan Enos, though. Right. He's a great offensive coordinator. From Maryland. Yeah. He's, and he did pretty well at Maryland last year. 
They weren't. Their, their offense was pretty solid. Their defense was absolute dog trash. Yeah, but I mean, Talia Talia looked pretty decent in most of the games I watched them. I, I, and I think I think Eugene's better than Talia for sure. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a different discussion. But so with, I'm with you. First first three games I have as wins. Uh, getting BYU at home is I think that's important because playing out there amongst the Mormons is is tough. Um, I think LSU is a loss. I think A and M's a win. I, Ole Miss is a toss-up game. I, I have Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, and honestly Missouri as being toss-up games. So I think no, nah, I, I don't see Missouri. I, think I don't see Missouri being a toss-up game. I just don't think Missouri's going to be any good. You said that last year Missouri won that game. I know, but I think Missouri had more talent last year than they did than the, at least on paper coming into this year. And Eli Drinkowitz, no, say what you want about Drinkowitz, he's a good offensive mind. So they could be good, yeah. and they have they have the five star receiver whose name I always forget. Um, they could be, and you know, yeah, from St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, he, and he's I awesome. Can't think of his name either. But they don't they don't have a quarterback. And no, uh, well, Brady Cook's not bad. Let, yeah, but he's out for Brady the season. Cook. He's out for the season. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, he's not even playing this I, year. I did not know that. I'm pretty sure. But but this is not a but this but either way this is about Arkansas. Yeah, we talked about Missouri last game. I think maybe. Yeah, I think Arkansas as a ceiling. I think you get it right. I think you get nine and three as a ceiling. I would go more in the middle and go six and six though. And I think as a floor they're five and seven. Um, yeah, Florida's going to be a toss up game. I I refuse to predict that Florida loses that game mainly because that's the game I bought tickets to. So I just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick us to lose when I go to the swamp. But they do, they do have a lot of talent. They did really well in the transfer portal. I firmly believe Sam Pittman has a great culture established in Fayetteville. Um, losing Barry Odom and Kendall Browse was big. But they have KJ. If K, it all depends on if KJ's healthy. Because we saw last year, that's a different football team when KJ's healthy versus when KJ is not. Because he's that much of a difference maker. Um, the transfer tight end from North Texas, I think what you just said his name. Varquise Gums? Is that what you're talking yes. about? I definitely yes. did not say Varquise Gums. I will be straight up. Okay, you did not you did not say Varquise Gums. Varquise Gums is a beast. So Hayes or okay. Luke Luke Hayes, is that what you're talking about? No, he's a freshman. No. I'm talking about Varquise Gums. Okay. Varquise Gums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, like I was saying about Varquise Gums, man. That guy's a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> You may not know about him, but I know about him. But yes, Marquise Gums is, is going to be an impact player. But like I was saying, it all depends on KJ. It's all about KJ's health. Um, if KJ's not healthy, this team, this team's going to struggle. Look, I was hard on Arkansas last year, and they even did worse than I thought they were going to do. And I thought they were going to be bad. I thought I think I had them last year being six and six, seven and five, and they were right around that. And a lot of it was because of K.J. Jefferson being injured. Because you saw what they could do against like Ole Miss. They pummeled Ole Miss in Fayetteville, uh, which is like a place that Ole Miss really struggles to play in. Anyways, here's, here's where I'm at with Arkansas. I, they should – I mean, they, they're going 3-0. and Then I think they lose to LSU. I think they should lose to A&M. I think they lose to Mississippi uh, – Ole Miss. I think they lose to Alabama. And then Mississippi State. So they, they, they win – so we're looking at four and four with four games to play. I think Auburn's going to be a lot better than 
they're getting even talked about right now because Hugh Freeze uh, is an actual, no offense to Brian Harson, but he's an actual SEC ball coach. He's able to, 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 to coach offense. He's done it before. They're playing in the swamp, which is not an easy place to play. And Missouri seems to kind of have their number a little bit to at least make that a, a toss-up game. And Sam Pittman, for the guy that he is, and I think he's one of the most relatable guys in the SEC, and I don't really have an issue with Sam Pittman. What I have an issue with is there was obviously some to- toxic culture going on last year. There was a lot of rumors flying uh, late in the year about tiffs between Bryles and Pittman, and Odom was kind of tied up in there as well, where the coaching staff wasn't getting along very well, and there were some obvious issues going on there. It, maybe I'm completely overthinking this, and I think, and I'm I'm being way too hard on them. But I think they're like realistically a six and six, five and seven type of team this year. And Sam Pittman could very well be gone because he does still have KJ Jefferson. Yeah, I think Sam Pittman's probably gonna be on the hot seat at some point, but I don't think it's gonna be this year. I think you give they get this year with KJ. He's got Dan Enos. He's worked with Dan Enos forever like they've known each other for a long time Kirby tried to bring Dan Enos in when he came to Georgia to be the OC because of his relationship with um, Pittman and Pittman tried to bring him over from Arkansas because Enos was at Arkansas when Kirby came to Georgia so the fact that they're working together makes me feel pretty good about the offense and honestly their defense brings back all their starters they bring in Jeff or what's his name holy crap Trajan Jeffcoat from Missouri he was like this huge high four-star guy supposed to be a superstar edge rusher he was never really that great at missouri but he has a good opportunity at arkansas and they bring in jaheem singletary from georgia who was a big time five-star corner got to play a little bit last year even with keely in there and um and kamari lassiter too on the other side so the fact that he got playing time as a freshman is massive so he's coming over to arkansas he's probably going to start this year um they have a couple transfers that are starting there i mean honestly offensively the biggest question marks gonna be receivers the offensive line is pretty solid. They lose their five best receivers from last year, including, including uh, Trey Knox, who went to South Carolina to take uh, that tight end spot. Jaheim Bell. Yeah, they took Jaheim Bell's spot, who went to Florida State. So that's the biggest loss. I mean, they lose Hazelwood. They lose Matt Landers, too. Um, so they're going to struggle there. But besides that, they're, the running game is going to be solid. The offensive line is going to be good. Defense should be okay. I think Enos is going to do a lot with the offense, which is why I'm so high on him. Um, but like I said, I could see him going – Five and seven, I could see him going. I think nine and three is pretty high. I do think. I think nine and three is their ceiling. I think seven and five, eight and four, mm-hmm. maybe is more realistic. I know you said six and six, but they. I think they're better than six and six. I think six and six is better. This is you don't know what to get out of Arkansas in a year with so many transfers and two new coordinators. And again, BYU, Ole Miss, Texas A and M, Florida, and Missouri. I have five get five possible games. I also will. I'll I'll also go on this note and say, on the record, we're 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 equating this on KJ Jefferson being healthy, and I don't think that he's going to be able to stay healthy just with the style of player that he is. He is a running quarterback, um, and he is a big kid. But if you look at him last year, he took a beating in a lot of those games, and maybe he just needed time to to heal up. But I just don't see him being healthy for an entire season, uh, especially when you open the year in Baton Rouge. 
which is a nasty place to play, and a defense that's going to be highly motivated, motivated with a team that's coming off of what they've got. And I, I, I mean, I just if KJ Jefferson's healthy, I think nine and three is possible. I just don't see it happening. I think that that's their absolute ceiling. Uh, I think they're more realistically that seven to five range. And, and even and one thing that we haven't talked about, you know, you talk about the way KJ Jefferson plays. Maybe this year with the new offensive coordinator, maybe Dan Enos changes it up and takes a little bit of the running game and a little bit of the RPO game off of KJ Jefferson to not put him in as many vulnerable situations. Um, which I, I don't know if that helps Arkansas's offense by keeping KJ healthy or it hurts Arkansas's offense because you need KJ to be able to bowl kids over and use his legs because he's such a big boy that he's able to do that. Um, and it gives Arkansas another weapon offensively. If, if KJ Jefferson's at full health, he's a guy who gets Heisman votes but isn't invited. So, talked a little bit about Missouri, Arkansas. Why don't we talk about Missouri? Um, so, for me, I got the schedule. They have a pretty rough schedule this year. They pull LSU from the east. Obviously, they get or from the west, and obviously they get Arkansas every year. They have to go to Arkansas this year. Um, I had them going three and nine, then I have them zero and eight in the SEC. So this is my last place in the SEC team. Um, I have them losing this or winning against South Dakota beginning of the year, beating MTSU, which honestly I was a little back and forth on, but MTSU lost a lot of guys from last year. They had a good team last year though. Uh, losing to Kansas State, losing to Kansas State at home. Uh, We're a big, big Kansas State. Guys. Yeah, we love, we love Kansas State. Uh, big Manhattan yeah. fans. Uh, beating Memphis at home. Ooh. Losing to I Vanderbilt mean. in Nashville. Losing to LSU at home. Losing yeah. to Kentucky in Lexington. Beating South Carolina yeah. at home. Losing to Georgia in Athens. Be losing to Tennessee at home. Losing to Florida at home and then losing to Arkansas at Arkansas. That's a tough schedule. That From is start a tough to finish schedule. for Missouri, that's really tough. SEC East, who, if you look at the rosters, it's them and Vandy, and their roster's not bad. Like they have a lot of really good, really good guys coming back. Brady Cook, I said he was out for the season. I think we did some research after and figured out he might not be. Matt, is that correct? As Brady of right now, Brady Cook is going into the season as the number one quarterback, yeah. but it. Coach Drink, as they call him, or as they say in Missouri, Coach Drink, uh, <laughs> has not been willing to name a number one for well, real. And they don't have a lot of good options. I mean, Sam Cook, everybody keeps saying he's supposed to be pretty good. Or Sam Horn, I'm sorry. He could be great, and but they haven't really given him any any opportunities. Um, he came from Collins Hill in Georgia, so he's a Georgia guy. A lot of times he's like random low four-stars, high three-star Georgia quarterbacks end up being pretty good. So he could be. They have good receivers coming back. They brought in Theo Weiss from Oklahoma. He transferred in after losing Dominique Lovett, Dominic Lovett to Georgia. Um, but besides that, they got Luther Burton coming back. Um, they have pretty much all their receivers coming back from last year. Uh, Mookie Cooper from Ohio State, the transfer, he's still there. They got both starting running backs um, that combined for like, I think it's like 1,300 yards last season. Uh, Cody Schrader and then um, Nathaniel Pete who both were pretty solid guys. So they have a lot of good talent. The defense lost a lot of guys to transfer. But to me, it's the schedule combined with Eli Drinkwitz. I feel like it's starting to 
but it's starting to die down a little bit. They weren't terrible last year, but with what they have this year, I just I think it's going to be bad, just based on the schedule. Kansas State out of conference, that's tough for them. That that is a that's a tough draw. <laughs> and Memphis, Memphis is but I don't know if you noticed that little note in the schedule. So they're playing that game in the dome in St. Louis, and I low key that's a pretty cool neutral site game to me. Honestly, that's a low key. If you look at the week four schedule, like I'm sure a lot of people will overlook that game, but I bet you that will absolutely be a game worth watching. And so also, Eli Drinkwitz, I have getting fired at the end of the season. Not cheering for it. Never cheer for anybody to get fired. But at the end of every season, there's usually two or three SEC coaches that go. I think it's going to be Drinkwitz and it's going to be um, Zach Arnett from Mississippi State. I think those are the two guys this year. I don't know who else it would be. Probably Jimbo. I have Jimbo on the hot seat. He could get fired if he does what I have him doing, 7-5. and five. I think Sam Pittman's a sneaky... Sam Pittman could like, be a guy. It just depends on what all goes on there. Mm-hmm. Here's here's my Hugh, thing. Hugh Freeze might have some scandal. You never know, <laughs> you never know there in the, in, in the barn. Uh, look, Mizzou... I feel like they've been easy. They've been the easy target for a lot of people outside of Vandy as the the punching bag of the SEC. I really don't think that Coach Drink has done that bad. He hasn't done that good, but I feel like he's done. He he, he has not done that bad. I mean, last year he played Georgia the best of anybody. Uh, he's motivated his guys. He's been competitive in a lot of games with a lot less talent. Their offense at the end of the year last year was ineffective. He brings in the offensive coordinator from Fresno State this year. Uh, and whenever he was asked about, uh, you know, who was going to have the play calling duties, he said, this guy, he's like, I'm, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to step away. We weren't doing very well. Jimbo, take notes. Uh, Coach drinks much better in the press than you are. Uh Mizzou does have a very tough schedule, though, and they lost a, a good bit in the portal. I think they were 36 in recruiting the portal. I think they're going to win a couple of games that they probably shouldn't, though. They could. With you saying that, that's my question. With all this negative talk about Missouri, let, let's give them an honest ceiling. All right, well, let's look at toss-up games. Would you call Kansas State a toss-up game or no? No. I would say no. I think Kansas State's a, a good they get, team. They get them at home, unless it's a neutral side game that I don't know about and didn't write down. But Mem- Memphis no. could be a toss-up game. Memphis, I would call a toss-up game. I would say Vandy's, Vandy's a, toss-up a toss-up game. game. Kentucky, LSU is Kentucky. They're not. I, I don't think they're toss-up games. Uh, South Carolina is a toss-up game because Missouri always plays well. And they get them at South home. Carolina. They get South Carolina at home. Georgia, not a toss-up game. Florida at home, maybe toss-up no, game. Florida's not a toss-up game. I don't know. <laughs> Arkansas is a toss-up game. Nah, I think Florida's weren't. They play at Arkansas. You say Kentucky was a toss-up game because I think it could be in Lexington. I, yeah. I think it depends on what you value Kentucky at, and I wit values Kentucky higher than I do. Yeah, I'm pretty high on them. I'm, I'm a I'm a believe it when I see it person with Kentucky. Um, I am too, and, and so I, I personally think that Kentucky could be a toss up game. I mean, I think the ceiling for Missouri is probably six and six. I'll say, let's see. All right, hold on. Let's let's do a little count. So we got Memphis, Vandy. You can say Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, or Arkansas. Five extra games. So five. They're not, so not, not going to win nine games or what was that? Eight games. They're not winning eight games. No, I'll no, say, no. I'll give them seven and five. That's I, mean, what I, say. I would say seven six. and five is like big time ceiling. Like they have a great season. Seven and five. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'd say six and six is their realistic ceiling, and I think two and ten is their floor. 
Yeah, uh, two and ten is absolutely their floor. I didn't okay, think it'd go lower win. than that. South Dakota is pretty no, good think, FCS school. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to lose to South Dakota, but South Dakota is pretty no, good FCS right. school. I mean, you're you're not you're not wrong, but I don't. I, I, not wrong. And from a realistic perspective, they should be. They might. It might be a struggle win, but they should. I think two and ten is their two their and ten. Real, yeah, I realistic. Mean, I, floor. I wouldn't bet money on anything below two wins. So no I, I I say two and ten yeah. is their floor. Six and six is their ceiling. Okay, it's a pretty. That's pretty wide. That is a very wide gap. Let me ask you this. So if they reach their ceiling and Eli Drinkwitz, who's coming into his fourth season and he has been five, like if you take out the two bowl losses, his regular seasons all three years have been 500. He's 17 and 19. They've gone five and five, six and six, six and six. The 19 is the two bowl losses. He has not won a bowl game yet. Mm. So if, if he goes six and six again, but your prediction comes true, and Eli Drinkwitz is fired for being 500 across the board. If you're Missouri, who do you... We had this discussion with Arkansas, I think, when we were doing our SEC West grades back in February. If you're Missouri, who raises their hand in the room and says, why would we fire this guy when what's our realistic expectation especially with our old Big 12 foes coming back into the conference. I think 5 and 7 and above he doesn't get fired. I don't I don't see it. I think if he goes worse than 5 and 7, that's when he gets fired. And a big part of it too is going to be how does he compete against the bigger teams on the schedule? Like he's got LSU. I would say I count Kentucky as a bigger team. I mean they're not a blue blood or anything, but I I think they're going to be pretty good. Um then you got Tennessee, you got Georgia. If he competes with these yeah, if he competes with those teams, at least like how he did against Georgia, maybe like just keep it close, or even if he only loses those games by like fourteen or twenty-one or something, to where it's respectable, he's not getting his butt kicked. Then I think they look at it and go, "We can't do much better than this." I mean, he's got a pretty good roster. He competes against the good teams. Like Georgia's roster is a thousand times better than Missouri's. And last year, Missouri probably should have beaten Georgia from start to finish. I mean, Georgia kind of came back at the very end. So if he could do that again on a couple of these teams, I mean, they get LSU at home. You never know. They could upset LSU. Um, so I think that's what it comes down to is, is does it look like there's potential to, to go forward? And is the culture good? That's the biggest thing with them, which I don't know how Missouri's culture is in the locker room. I don't know Missouri well enough. I don't read about Missouri enough to where I couldn't tell you that, but I'm just saying from a roster okay, standpoint, Roster standpoint, everyone says Drinkwitz is great there. I mean, if if you but, look at if you look at their schedule last year, they had a couple of blowouts where like they got blown out by Kansas State, who went to the Sugar Bowl last year. Yeah. Let's let's make that note very clear too that Kansas State was wildly underrated and they won the Big last 12. year. They, they were the, they were a really good team. They were all right. So they got blown out by them by twenty eight. Uh, then they lost to Auburn by three, which Auburn was not great last year. That's but a bad that was, loss. But that was also early. And they missed a kick to, they, they to had go to overtime. They, they, were, they were in they overtime. Had a to, yeah, they made a chance kick, to win the game. They missed a kick to win the yeah, game. Yeah, 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 you're and right. then they fumbled the ball out of the end yeah, zone to win the game terrible. in overtime. It was it was a it was a mess. They ended up losing that game. It was a bad loss, but I wouldn't say coaching loss that that was no, more execution. That's, that's, yeah. Uh they lost to Georgia by four. They lost yep. to Florida by seven. Yep. They only beat Vandy by three, which is not a great win, but Vandy, Vandy competed wasn't that bad last, last year. year. Uh, they beat South Carolina by 13, but that's, we, a good win. that's a good win. I think South Carolina was fraudulent. Yes. They only lost to Kentucky by four. Uh, they got smoked by Mizzou. 
I think that was the week got after the by Mizzou or uh, my, by Tennessee. No, yeah, um, yeah, oh, I remember that. Flag, flag that they got smoked by Tennessee, but I think that was the week after Tennessee lost to Georgia. Mm-hmm. It was right around that same time. So Tennessee was playing super motivated at home in Nayland. Uh, they smoked New Mexico State. They beat Arkansas, and then they lost by ten to Wake Forest in the Gasparilla Bowl. Missouri. I don't want to go on and on about Mizzou forever, but that just shows that they were competitive in 90% of their games, including against much better teams than them. I, I think in talent-wise. Florida, talent-wise, on the books last year was a lot better than Missouri. They lost by a, a touchdown. Georgia, same thing. Yep. Um, so, I drink is fine, in my opinion, as long as they make a bowl game. And even if he goes 5-7, and seven, who is going to realistically take them to the next level? Because you're not, I mean, are you going to bring Barry Odom back? No. Are you going to, and, and if you did, does that, is that a hire that gets everybody in Missouri excited about football? I don't think so. You're not going to bring in uh, Glenn Schumann to Missouri. He's not going to take the Missouri job. If there, there, there's not a lot of young guy names that are going to be kicking down the door. There's not a lot of group of five coaches that are going to be kicking down the door. Dan Mullen, Missouri. <laughs> I don't think that Dan Mullen would even want to do that. I mean, like he he's he'd rather coach at Lake Oconee Academy up and 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 be the OC in high school, Georgia high school football. I mean, <laughs> well, what what does he have to lose? So Missouri is in a very weird place, identity wise, and I think that drink fits it well he's a quirky dude he's weird he you know likes to make fun of different things and is not exactly making friends amongst the coaches in the sec and it is what it is i think mizzou you've got it right i think three and nine is very much in that window of possibility uh if that happens drinks drinks getting fired yeah that and the thing with them too i kind of feel like it's the same with mississippi state like i don't think mississippi state is a bad roster i think they have a really good roster coming into this year especially what they had last year but there's not enough wins to go around the sec for them to come out and go six and six or seven and five like that's a ceiling you're right if it happens wow like great season well done i'm not shocked like you have the roster to do that um and if you're drink which you should be expected to at least go five and seven six and six but who do you like more, Clark Lee or Eli Drinkwitz? I like Clark Lee for Vanderbilt. I think, it, I think it's a perfect fit. Same. Who do you like more, Heupel at Tennessee yeah, or, or Drinkwitz at, at Missouri? Obviously Heupel. Who do you like more, Billy Napier at Florida or, or Drinkwitz in Missouri? Obviously Drinkwitz in Missouri. But <laughs> <laughs> Billy Napier, who has got the number three recruiting class in 2024 right now. Like they're yeah. like obviously, you. yeah, yeah. You, you go from top to bottom. Mark Stoops, uh, yeah, I mean. Who are you going to pick who's coaching in the SEC East or the guys they play in the West who's a better coach than Drinkwitz? It's pretty much everybody. I mean, you could say Pittman maybe, but... How much of that, and to, just to continue this discussion, how much of that is Drink's fault? Because I think so much of that comes from... I think so much of that comes from the fact that Missouri is such a hard job. I think, honestly, that you could... You might categorize Missouri as one of the hardest jobs in the country. Because you have to play in this conference. And now you add in Texas and Oklahoma, two teams who they have a history with, and they know just how elite both those programs are. This is a very hard job. And, and I, feel like, I feel like that's what, I feel like that's kind of what you guys were getting at. But, and, and I agree with you. Like, it's not so much, it's not that Drake is bad. I think he gets everything he can out of that program. But they're very limited in what they can do, and I think Witt said it best. There's only so many wins to go around 
in the SEC. And truthfully, truthfully, this I don't think it's that desirable of a job. Like, like if you if if you're an up and coming if you're an up and coming coach, and Eli Drinkwitz gets fired, and there's not really any super high profile jobs out on the market. At what point does Missouri? Like, would you rather take the job at Missouri, who's a mid tier Power Five program who you may only get six and six out of? And now, granted, they won the SEC East twice. I know that, but ever since then, it's been completely different. Um, and they're a scrappy bunch with good talent. But would you rather would you rather wait on a big job to come open, or would you rather take that Missouri job? Like, I don't find it to be that desirable because. It's so hard, so I, I can't blame Drinkwitz for being 16th on the list of the 16 coaches, or soon to be 16 coaches of the SEC. Yeah, but that goes back to a conversation we had two episodes ago where we posed the question about Clay Helton, like, would you rather be a Georgia Southern or Mizzou in, in this modern time? Now, I will say this about Drink, and, and then we can move on. I think if he does get fired from Mizzou, I think he is going to be a high... He, he, he would be a great candidate, based off of what he did at Appalachian State, uh, to go back into the Sun Belt or to the American Conference, and he would be a good hire at a mid-tier group of five school, like uh, I'm trying to think, like maybe a James Madison, if they decided to that they wanted to upgrade their offense to be more in in tune with what they're going to try and get out of the out of the Sun Belt, he would be a really good fit at a school of that caliber and elevate have the opportunity to elevate them with the SEC coaching experience and with the name that he brings to maybe pull a couple of recruits. But uh, you know, I, I I think that that's where Drink fits in all of this, and that you know. He, he gets a lot out of his players at Mizzou. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, Mizzou's Mizzou. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah.